All right, you guys, I am currently struggling with a pinched nerve in my neck. And if you have ever had one, you know the pain. So I am feeling super thankful for today's sponsor, Tanasi. Tanasi's CBD, CBDA is two times better than CBD alone and better than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. It helps soothe and relieve my aches and pains like my pinched nerve, and it's great for sleep and anxiety, so I put it on right before bed. Tanasi was discovered by a team of chemists and biologists at Middle Tennessee State University, and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university partner for ongoing research. It is THC-free and comes in a range of products. I love the topicals, but you can also choose from soft gels, gummies, and tinctures. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Try Tanasi for 30 days, and if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Go to Tanasi.com and use code MOM to get 25% off at checkout. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with promo code MOM. Since learning the truth about alcohol over four years ago, I've become pretty skeptical about anything that seems too good to be true. You know, like alcohol. If you're like me and you can spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away, congrats, you're a skeptic too. Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds our standards. I take Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus every morning because it has high-quality and traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. It's gentle on an empty stomach and has a minty essence in every bottle that helps make taking my multis actually enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com forward slash sober mom. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne of My Kind of Sweet and the Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol. Is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey and I'm so excited to get started. Hello, happy Friday. Welcome to our special episode of the Real Sober Mom Chats. It's like the Real Housewives, but without the booze and the bad drama and the fillers. How's that? I have heard so much feedback about the sober moms. You guys love the stories from real moms who are in it, who are figuring out, who are maybe sober curious. They're talking about their journeys, and that's what this is. We are bringing you moms from the Sober Mom Life Cafe. All of these moms connect over there. If you want to come and join us, it's $15 a month, and you get, first of all, you get to sign up to share your story on the Real Sober Mom Chat. That link to join the cafe is in the show notes. You also get weekly Zoom meetings. You get 
Discord chat where you can chat with moms just like you all day long. Book club, you get bonus podcast episodes. It's just a huge party over there. Come and join us. And I know you will enjoy this episode of the Real Sober Mom Chats. Okay, Sarah, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. Hi, thank you, Suzanne. Yes, I'm so glad you're here and I'm excited to hear your story. You know what I always say? Okay, I want to talk about sobriety because that's the best part. But first, we got to talk about that little bitch alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) It is such a little bitch. It is such a little bitch. I've never said it like that, but I feel like I should start. And actually, that's very fitting for maybe my story, that little bitch alcohol. From the first time I ever drank, I blacked out. Half a Bud Light. Peed my pants. Don't remember anything. Oh, Oh, yeah. And you think that would have been like, oh, I should probably not do this. But no, it was like, you got to get better at doing this. Right, right, right. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just not doing it right. How old were you? Almost 16. It was the summer before I turned 16. Wow. Okay, so what do you remember about that? I remember standing with my two guy friends who were very safe. Mm -hmm. One of them I had a huge crush on. And we had asked an adult to buy us some Bud Light. I didn't have a preference because I never drank. We just stood in some little creek bed and started drinking. And I remember like two sips in feeling funny. And I don't remember anything until I was like at my house trying to get in. But my parents had locked the door and I had peed my pants. Oh, <laughs> no. How awful. Ugh. It was the shame. So like the shame came. I wanted to move my good friend. I had the crush on. He's like, oh my gosh, stop. Are you going to move every time? Like you do something embarrassing, you'll be moving forever. Yeah. So I just tried to get better at it, but I don't remember very many times remembering a whole night. Yes. Okay. So that was right before 16. And so between 16 and 21, I hit all of these rock bottoms. I'm like super embarrassed. I got... Don't be embarrassed. I mean... Funny. Yeah. It's funny now to look back and say, what the, f- I don't know. Why didn't I notice? But I got in a car accident. I got two DUIs. I got arrested. I went to jail. I went to rehab all by the time I was 21 years old. Okay. So all by the time. And where was this? Where were you in the country? Vermont, Northern Vermont. Okay. So this was all like, even before legal drinking age, you, you were yeah. like, you hit all of these things. And what was the conversation around it? And how, how old do you want to say how old you, you are now? So I'm 40. I'm, I'll be 43 next week. Okay. So this is the time though, when there wasn't there was not, yeah, there was dare, but everything was about drugs. Like, this is your brain on drugs, I right? Was the dare advocate for my school in fifth grade. Oh my God, in fifth grade. See, look at look at how well that worked. You guys dare. Right, right, right. But yes, it was more focused around drugs. Alcohol was not part of the drugs. No, there was not a conversation around alcohol. It was kind of, at least for me in, in, in Wisconsin, and I know Wisconsin is, <laughs> you know, it's its own thing. But I mean, it was that this is your brain on drugs. And it's like, oh, okay, drugs, right. Awful. Alcohol, okay. It was like a foregone conclusion. Yeah. And in my opinion today, especially alcohol is the gateway drug to all the other drugs. Yes. No, that's so true. What was the conversation around? Were you supported in that time or was it more of this like punitive, like you, I don't know, like what, what was the vibe? So the vibe was because I wasn't like drinking outwardly, you know, as we're teenagers. So you have to sneak around to drink. 
it was kind of like, you need to get it together. But that was it. My parents, I love them dearly. They just didn't, you know, for being a teenager, I got my second DUI and went to jail at 21. And even then, yes, I'm an adult, but like, obviously I'm not like struggling. And it just was like left to me. Like you need to figure it out. Yeah. It's so like therapy wasn't what it was. It's just so different. And so while, you know, you can totally have compassion for your parents and they were like, what's going on? Right. But you can also yeah. see how like the systems did fail you. It was like, you it, it did. Yeah. 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 Like you were a baby at 21. Also, our brains are still like 21. Right. Not to like glamorize this, but the, the 21, like <laughs> went to Mardi Gras in Burlington, which was about a half hour from my house, got back to our house. I lived with my boyfriend got mad at him, got in a fight, took off and like ran a red light. Cops started chasing. I, for like a half hour, eluded the cops at 25 miles per hour because Wait. I knew I was in so much trouble. Like it could be a, a skit, right? In a movie. Oh my God, like a cop like, chase? Yeah, but at 25. Right. It wasn't a high speed. It was a very slow <laughs> no, speed. But that makes it fun here. You guys, we're not oh laughing God. at like dr- drunk driving. But no, this is but, but, the, but you have to kind of laugh at a cop chase going 20. Like those are really bad cops too. Right? Well, I just was like, I'm in so much trouble. I'm in so much trouble. Like I needed time to think I, I got okay. out and I was like I'm I know I'm sorry like and they were like stop I want to see like red light <laughs> cameras I want to see this to the, like were you like going in street like how did you evade the cops going 20 from one main street up to main street ran that red light cops were stopped at that red light okay started following me and then I just started making right hand turns <laughs> and like I would just go a little bit further like my friends at one point were watching part of it because they were up on the third floor of this apartment building and like would see me going around multiple times. <laughs> I can laugh at it now because it was so stupid. And I never, I've never laughed at anybody like you guys come on here and you bury your souls, you know, you're like so brave and tell your story. And I've never, I'm normally crying because I'm crying no, right now. I'm crying because I'm laughing. <laughs> that might come. And this is a, this is a first. Okay. Okay. So that was my shtick for a long time. Like I'd go to these parties and get drunk and I would tell them this story, right? Like that didn't stop me. Went to jail. How humiliating. Worked as a preschool teacher. I was the first person in Greater Burlington YMCA to ever get a DUI apparently. Oh. They like, all the parents were very supportive, but yeah, they let me stay on. Okay. And then you, you said you went to rehab? When I was did go that? to rehab a senior in high school. So okay. I have come to find out a lot of my using of alcohol started. Shortly after, so like I was, I was groomed. I was groomed by an adult that I babysat for, Mm. for years. And then I started drinking. And then the grooming turned into a relationship with this person. Kind of everything came to a head going into my senior year of high school. And I now can say that I was a victim. He's a predator. Fast forward, got some counseling in 2020. I think that's what ultimately led to me being able to be done with alcohol because I finally went through it all. Yeah. Rehab senior year because I wasn't going to graduate. And so I needed to like get it together. Okay. So so as a punishment, you have to go to rehab in order to graduate. Mm -hmm. Right. Again, though, and rehab, I will say taught me, I didn't really learn my lesson because I got a DUI at 21, but I learned maybe how to not use (laughs) to use because it's fun, not use because I'm covering stuff up. Right. I don't know. And I did think I dealt with it. 
Yeah. But also like your, your little baby brain still too. Right. And so even if you think you're dealing with stuff and then it's so crazy how then we continue to drink in adulthood to cover up just shitty stuff. And and that's horrible that that happened to you and not to feel it because it's really hard to feel. And we don't even realize that that's what we're doing. Right. No, at all. I was like, I dealt with it. I went to rehab. I talked about it. Everyone knows. Like it was a, big deal. My parents, everybody was involved in this. And I really did feel like it was then dealt with, but I, I never did. Yeah. And the thing is like alcohol is a barrier to dealing with that stuff, right? It's not an obstacle. It's just a barrier. And so if it's in the equation, we don't have to deal with it. We just care less. Right. And so then that is the tough part about sobriety is that when it's Okay, when you, when it's bare, you know, when you're all out there, yeah. it's like, oh, oh, okay. I thought I had dealt with it. I thought it was done. And now I'm feeling the things, right? Yes, and really dealing with it. Because I think I still accepted at the time, you know, 17 years old, such a baby. Such but a like, baby. Oh, I accept my part in it. Because I was old enough to know better. But I really just wanted to be loved. I was very low self-esteem. And alcohol helped me be used and not, I still felt like a piece of shit, (laughs) Mm. but it was like, love me. I'll do whatever you want. And alcohol helped me for the moment be liked or be loved. Oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. I mean, that's such a, that's just awful. And I'm glad that you can look back and say like, no, 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 I did not have a part in this. I was completely used and tricked. and, and And I know it happens to lots of people and not everyone can see that it's not their fault. Yeah. So just hear that, people. It's not your fault. (laughs) Your baby. Yeah. Okay, so got my DUI. Then the next summer, met my now husband. He introduced me to just the whole life of being active and getting outside and a life I did not know at home. Ended up moving out west to Montana um, about a year into our dating. And, I mean, drinking was part of it, but it wasn't the main focus. Yeah. So... Yeah. Still did lots of great stuff. Beer was kind of a reward, I guess you'd say, at the end of a nice hard day. Shortly after we got married, I worked at a bar, found myself staying until two, three o'clock in the morning with coworkers and people and not remembering getting home. So back to the blackout drinking. And then that came to a head. My husband was pretty vocal about more for my safety, not like, what are you doing? But more like, you are going to get a DUI. You're not going to be able to, you know, like he was pretty vocal about that. And so I ended up quitting that job and focused like on just starting exercising again and getting back into that and then mm-hmm. got pregnant and got pregnant with twins. Uh, oh, surprise wow. to us. Yeah. So that was awesome. I loved being pregnant. I think it was it's somebody other than yourself you can focus on, you know, mm-hmm. and it yeah. was just about growing those babies as healthy as I could. Mm-hmm. That was a good time, mentally, everything. That break, that forced break, I think, which is why I had such a good pregnancy, just not drinking. (laughs) And then breastfed, so about two years into having babies. I didn't have postpartum, but I also, the reality of being a first-time mother is hard. It's isolating. As much as I wanted to people-please my whole life, it was kind of like, now it's on a different scale. Like you don't have a choice. You have to help these people. Yeah. Right. 
all the time. <laughs> yeah, you have to make them happy, right? Yes. Yeah. I do think there was a reality of motherhood that set in for me that was depressing. Yes. Well, it's such, it's like a huge change and it, it is overnight. Yeah. Having newborns is way different than being pregnant. It just is. And so like totally. literally from like one minute to the next, then you're like, oh, holy shit. Like I remember when my oldest daughter was born, they put her on my chest and I was like, oh, I have to like get you through sixth grade. I don't know why sixth grade, because that was probably like my my worst. And I was like, how am I going to get used to sixth grade? You know, I felt like such just uh, the weight of all of it. It is. It, it, and I think us speaking about that hopefully can help someone just knowing half the battle, right? Expectations. Yes. And that you're not alone. And that if it's hard and if it feels horrible, that's normal. <laughs> Because yes, it is hard right. and it's such and a change. And it's not a bad mom. No. Not, it's this weird guilt shit that comes with, I want a moment to myself or I don't want to do this today. There's so much guilt that, and I know it's put on ourselves, but it's also societal. That totally. It's the most beautiful time of your life and, and the hardest. And <laughs> the fucking hardest. And, and only good moms, and I put good in quotes because I feel like I mean, I guess there are moms who aren't good if they like don't love their kids, but I would think most of us are very good moms. Only good moms feel guilt. So if you're feeling guilt, pat yourself on the back and say, yeah, that's because I care. That's it. If I didn't give a shit, then like, okay, it might be easier. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. So then, then you had those babies. It was hard. Like, yes. Yes. It was. And so breastfeeding, I knew I could only have a beer a day. And yeah. that was like kind of my little ritual. Then once they stopped, it slowly increased, I'd say, to two, then three, then four. And like, I really love IPAs. That was kind of my go to. And so before you knew it, like within two hours, I was having four beers. And I was home. So it's okay, right? Like, I'm not hurting anyone. My kids are fed, they're in bed. And that progressed. COVID came. And I really, until this podcast and listening to all these other moms, I thought we came out of COVID unscathed. My husband owns his own business. He never had to lay off employees. If you look at the big picture, we did kind of come out unscathed. However, our drinking ramped up. Like, this is what we did. By literally, like, I think it's 323%. Holy shit. Women's drinking ramped up that much in COVID. Well, I believe it. It makes sense. Yeah. We're just home. Yes. We're just home. (laughs) And I think it's hard for us to think about and remember how scared we were when we didn't know what it was. And when we, right? Like I was terrified. I was terrified because they wanted us to be terrified so that we would stay home. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Parks were closed. We couldn't take walks like in Chicago. Like it was, even if you didn't lose anybody to COVID, if you didn't lose your job, if you didn't have to lay off people, even if there was no huge loss, I mean, that was traumatic. And I think we need to, I need to acknowledge that. Like traumatic. It was. It was. And we lived in a place where we could walk out our door and we have endless dirt roads to go on. So again, like it didn't feel like, well, nothing's changed here. Right, right. And shame on our government for calling a liquor store Yes. Essential. Essential. Yes. Because I do wonder what, if we could reverse what our whole society could be. Yeah. I did look back in my journals around 2019 before COVID. I did start writing about wanting to be sober. 
I feel I see myself as sober is was like a line in my journal. Often. Oh, wow. I just don't know when like my 40th birthday was coming. And I thought like, Oh, that that was COVID year 2020. I turned 40. Oh, same wasn't that didn't that suck? Yeah. Even that but then I was like, Okay, 40 is gonna come, I'm gonna be done. But then I wasn't. And then two points to then I turned sober. So I, I would continue to drink and drive with my children, three, four, five, six beers deep. And we were driving down our, one of our dirt roads one day and my kid said, hey, remember when you were driving off the road and laughing because Sam was scared and um, you didn't stop? Like You thought that was funny. And I had no fucking recollection. Mm-hmm. And I would never do that. Sober. Like, what the fuck was wrong with me? First um, of all, hold on. Nothing was wrong with you. Nothing was wrong with you, okay? You just said you would never, but for the alcohol, you would never do that. That was not you as a mom. That was not you. That was the alcohol. But I didn't stop yet. (laughs) That's okay, but alcohol got in the way. Totally. I remember taking like a two-month break. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. I, I heard it, and I was mortified, and I was piece of shit you know like I'm such a piece of shit once I went back after that two-month break that's when the 3 a.m shame cycle started Mm -hmm. so I'm kind of happy that I took that break because it didn't matter if how many I had had my kids were home we they were fed they were put to bed on time they weren't neglected I would wake up and just be like how many did you have last night and then the that's I mean that was my you're a piece of shit that was like my mantra (laughs) for a little while Fast forward, 4th of July, 2021. My mom was out. It's a big deal in Ennis, Montana, if anybody ever wants to come. (laughs) Huge drinking uh, holiday for everyone, I know, but especially here. Yeah. Went to the parade with her. My husband didn't go. That caused me to start drinking right away at the parade because I felt like he never wanted to come, you know, Mm -hmm. do things with my mom and just drink all day. Day drink, didn't eat, came home, passed out at 4 p.m. In the meantime, I had driven my kids. I mean, around with me to different parties and passed out, woke up in the morning, felt all that shame. And my mom woke up and she just walked out. Thank God for her. And she just said, I love you, Sarah. And she hugged me. Mm -hmm. And that for whatever it's worth, my mom was meant to be here to stop the cycle because my husband and I would have just fought. I would have taken a break. Mm -hmm. I would have, you know, it would have been that same cycle over and over. So her being here and she later we talked and she just said it was really scary to see you like that I've never seen you like that and in my head I'm like oh well this is kind of how I get every few weeks you know and I said this this is it and it was it wow I also promised my kids because I felt like I needed accountability which I know you're not not supposed to put adult problems on children but I had apologized to them again because there was yeah. a lot of mean words that day to my kids about <laughs> whatever, for whatever reason, they wanted ice cream. And yeah, but. <sighs> yeah. And so then that was it. I mean, the idea of not putting adult problems on kids. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that that's really common that you're going to you're going to apologize to your kids and say, OK, here's one. Right. If they have kind of been yeah. witness to this, I think it's just an honest conversation that you that you had. And then there's like, OK, here it is. And then it does help. Right. I think because they see there's that meme with Josh Hartnett, I think. And he says 
something about your kids can look at you and trust what they see. Yes. And that hit. And I was just like, yes. You know, anytime I open something in a can, Abby says, can I have a drink of that? And that's her testing. Like, is this alcohol? Yeah. And the fact that I can say yes every single time. Yes. And they do. Today's my 14-month soberversary. Really? So. Congrats. 14 months. That's huge. Yeah. It's going by faster, right? The first 30 days. Yes. Six months, you're just like, shit. And the joy, though, the joy that comes almost immediately and making new memories that don't include driving off the road, <laughs> blackout drunk with your kids. Yes. That I hope will override eventually, you know. It will. And just having those honest conversations like sobriety allows us to do, right? That is so healing for us and our kids. Okay, so July 5th, then you were like, I'm done. What did you do? Like, what did you do July 6th, July 7th? Like, how did it go? So my mom was here for a couple more days, but immediately July 6th, I woke up early. I exercised. I sat outside in silence for 20 minutes and wrote in a journal. And that was my first hour of waking for the first six months. That's what I did just to change it. I had a lot of LaCroix on hand in the Mm -hmm. evenings because it was that pop the top. Yeah. It's three o'clock. It's four o'clock. I'm making, yep. I'm making dinner. And that really, I was surprised by how calming that was just, yeah, it was the habit of popping something. I learned that it doesn't matter what's in my cup or can I will chug it. So if it's water, I'm chugging water. It was eye-opening because I don't know that I was necessarily trying to... I mean, the alcohol was drowning feelings and stuff, Mm -hmm. but I still don't understand. But regardless, I'm not not chugging beer or... Yeah, now you're chugging water. That's interesting too to think like, no, you're just a chugger. Like anything that's in front of you, you're... Yeah. yeah, me too, kind of. I mean, me too. I, I mean, for I want to savor it like for two or three steps. I know. I'm like, this is so good. And then before I know it, I'm like, it's gone. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm a chugger. I'm a chugger of coffee. We all know that. And so, <laughs> yeah, what do you think has been the most helpful like in that first six months? Like, what do you think really made the difference? I'm assuming like you didn't go to meetings, you, you're not AA. I didn't. Because honestly, even with all those actions I just explained and the fact, and I'm not trying to brag that I am not white knuckling this. Yes. It shows me that I'm not an alcoholic. I don't believe that. I believe I have a, I had a drinking problem. Yeah. But I don't call myself alcoholic. Well, and I, I don't even you. know what that is. Oh, that's so. I know. I don't know. It's so ambiguous. So I think I what was helpful was a change of, okay, so like self-care. So I think hey, all this energy I'm going to just put into myself. And I amped up my counseling sessions. And so we were having marriage counseling, which is so hard to have marriage counseling when you're both like addicted to a substance that makes you crazy. And then I just did my own solo. Oh, that's huge too. Yeah, just for like the first six months because I just needed to check in. And my husband, I had shared somewhere, but he was not done drinking. And so he didn't want to hear about me being sober. Yeah. Um, and so I was doing it very quietly. Which is really hard. It was because I'm excited and I want to be like, I'm 14 months today. You know, and he was like, hundreds of people don't drink and they don't have to talk about it. Oh, no. You know, he was very <laughs> shitty. That's all right. He's joined since joined me totally on its own. Yes. Like, I think just leading by example. So I think just changing your whatever your routine was that included your drinking. I mean, I think about all the money I save. Yes. So. 
I started getting monthly massages and going to see a facialist and like all these things that I never would say I had the money for, you know, or yeah. So total self-care and almost, it's not selfish. I mean, I was called, I've been called selfish a few times the last year. Wait, who called you selfish? <laughs> my husband. What? Oh, okay. my husband. It's okay. I, you know, what's so funny without alcohol. I own all of my feelings so much yes. that I'm like, bring it. I don't totally you can call me that. I know I'm not. I know my truth. That has been a huge thing with me. I know my truth. I've lost my drinking buddies, some silently and some very meanly, but Ugh. whatever. That's you. You go do it. You go do you. I do me. Isn't that amazing too? I think it's something, there's something so powerful about being in your forties and being sober because something happens in your forties, but then if you're sober in your forties, it's like next, next level where where it is like, you kind of know, you're like, I know who I am. And now being sober, I know how I feel and what I need. And that's like the trifecta. It's so freeing. It is. I used to always say, if I could just get my shit together, if I could just get it. And it's like, dude, you just had to get rid of alcohol and you have time for everything you want to do in life. It's crazy. It took up a lot of my brain space for sure. Yes. A lot of brain space, a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of energy, a lot of bullshit. How have you, because, you know, this is always the topic that comes up with moms. When we have moments where the alcohol takes over and we're not the mom that we know we are, have you been able to work through that and have compassion for yourself? Yes. I feel like I need to keep that in the corner of my brain. Yeah. And maybe it'll go away with time. Because if I ever one day think like I can do this again, I can moderate successfully. I want to be like, no, no, you can't. Yeah. So there's part of me that wants to keep that. But yes, I have because I'm not like that today. It was a moment in time. And it was hard to have I I cried a lot over my actions the last six months of my drinking. But hey, Actions are loud, speak louder than words. Yeah. So. And crying is amazing. Crying is so healing. And that's such I a didn't way cry to forgive. For a long time. Because crying while you're drunk is not the same. No, as no, crying. no, no. Not, yeah. It's not healing. That, no, that is just, all. no. That is just going to add another layer of shame at 3 a.m. And you're going to be like, oh my God, what? why was I crying? Right? Right. But yes, crying and sobriety is like so healing. And you really feel the release of it, right? I always feel like I. I love it. And I could feel like when the emotions are welling up and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to go cry. I'm so excited. And then I, I can feel, <laughs> and then I can feel when it passes too. And I'm like, oh, there it goes. Okay. I'm done crying, you know, and I kind of want to cry more and then I can't. And I'm like, okay, that was good. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> but the release, it's that full circle. Like I've worked through it instead of just shoving it down. Oh my God. I mean, your story's incredible. You need to write a book. And that, I'm telling you, that police chase needs to be in a movie. <laughs> the slow speed elude. I always say it was like a Saturday Night Live skit. I totally. <laughs> and with your friends watching too. I mean, that Oh, is... God. I know. <laughs> and telling them, I remember being at the police station, my one memory, and like, I was crying and I was like hyperventilating. I'm like, I need my inhaler. And they're like, where is that? I'm like, it's at my house. I'll go back, but I'll come back. I promise. I promise. But was I would have. Like, I really would have. You're like, like, same seats. I'll be right back. (laughs) But yeah, I can laugh now. 
not in, out of shame though out of like what the fuck no, like, out what? of like that's that was actually pretty funny like yes it was dangerous and we know that and don't come for us that Thank we're laughing because not hurt anybody because i would i would probably not be here today like i don't think i could ever live with myself so god was watching over me for sure yes. during all my stupidity <laughs> and you have to have like there has to be some levity i try to bring levity to anything so i mean that same is that same. is and just I'm, I'm, it's coming back did you feel like you lost your sense of humor for a little while oh yeah which is hard <laughs> because i'm i yeah i, I always want to find humor in pretty much every everything. And so that's like my language. And so, yeah, that you can get that connected to that again is like, mm -hmm. and yes, laugh about your story. Like I laugh when I punched my ex-boyfriend in the face three times. It, oh I, I know <laughs> violence is not funny. I know, you know, I was in a blackout. This is in my twenties. Like, oh my God. Like I know violence is not funny. You guys, that to me, it's kind of funny <laughs> right now. Like that is kind of funny. Okay. Oh that my is. God. Well, Sarah, thank you so much. Your story is going to help yes. so many women. Like I'm just I so, so. <laughs> it will. And I'm, I, I'm so proud of we're you. We're all human. And thank you. And at first I was hard on myself. Like you didn't stop at 40. Like you said, took another year, but you know what? We got it. Yes. And, and the yep. fact that you are 14 months today, that you weren't on the wrong path. You were on the right no. path. Like all of it led to, it to here. Yeah. Thank God my mom was here. I just, yeah. Everything lines up for a reason. So It really does. And nobody was hurt. So that's <laughs> very thankful. Yes. And I think you just keeping that reminder in, you know, of being in the car, I feel like there's a difference between like feeling shame about that and then just keeping it as a reminder because you can do that. There. I think I see that differently than like, you know, like raking yourself over the coals for feeling shame about it. You're using it and you're making it functional. Like, no, no, this is a remind. Like this happened for a reason to remind me. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's great. Oh. Sarah, thank you. I know now deep hey, breath. Thank you. We did it. I know I did it. I did. It wasn't scary at all for all See? you moms. Like yes. <laughs> Come on the podcast. Come on down. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Suzanne, for all you do and having this group. It really did. It helps save me and keep it. Like, I think Jen was the one. She's like, it's very important to have a community of people going through the same thing. Yes. So thank you for starting this up and continuing it. And Oh, you're welcome. I'm so glad you're a part of it. Yeah, me too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also, follow me on Instagram at The Sober Mom Life. Okay, I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how 
how-tos for navigating all the things sober, from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories, and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.